the reason so many of us have trouble figuring out what we want to do with our lives and what jobs we should take is we're not sure what makes a good job or not. What makes a job great is that you show up to work every day inspired by what you're doing. It's in an environment with people that you would be friends with outside of work. And overall, the culture of the environment is a place in which you fit, in which you naturally belong. Coming up, learn how to find your dream job with Simon Sinek. Next on Change Nation from First30Days.com. The eternal question for so many of us has got to be, what should I do with my life? And if only I knew what I wanted, I would do it. So many of us hope to find our dream job, the work that will really make us happy and excited. And yet it feels so hard and unattainable. How do we even start? So with us today is Simon Sinek, a real pioneer in what I can only describe as inspiring action that is aligned with what is truly important. He's been a speaker at some of the most prestigious events worldwide. He's been invited to the Pentagon and has been a darling of the media. Finding that dream job doesn't have to be so difficult. And here to show us how to get started in the first 30 days is Simon. Simon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ariane. Nice to be here. So, Simon, why is it so hard for us to get in touch with what we really want to do? That's a, that's a good question. I think um, the reason so many of us have trouble um, figuring out uh, what we want to do with our lives and what jobs we should take is we're not sure what makes a good job or not. Is it the amount of money they pay us? Is it the benefits that they offer us? Or is there, is there something else? And it's that, quote-unquote, something else about a job or about a company that is the thing that we forget to, to, to think about that really is, is much more important. So what is that something else? What is the thing that we should be looking for that is ultimately going to give us that happiness, that excitement, that longevity? So the things that we do in life and the things that we sort of get joy from in life is when, is when we have this visceral connection, this emotional connection. And think about just people you like spending time with. You know, the friends we like spending time with, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, if you're going to the movies or if you're hanging out at home, if you're going out for dinner. We just sort of enjoy the chemistry we have with these people. And there are some people who... You know, we don't enjoy their company as much, even though we might be doing fun things. You can go canoeing with somebody, but if you don't get along with them, it's not much of a fun canoeing trip. Well, the same is true for a job, which is just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean you're going to enjoy going there. And what makes a job great is that you show up to work every day inspired by what you're doing. It's in an environment with people that you would be friends with outside of work. And overall, the culture of the environment is a place in which you fit, in which you naturally belong. And a lot of us forget that. Um, I can tell you a funny story. Um, Long ago, when I was young in my career, I had a conversation with a friend and sort of what the next step we should take in our own careers. And he told me, well, he's going to apply for a few jobs and he's going to take the one that pays him the most. And I said, well, I'm not doing that. And he thought I was crazy. And the reason I didn't is because I was looking for a challenge. I was looking for something that would inspire me. And I was looking for a mentor. I was looking to work for somebody who would take me under their wing. And if a job paid me less money, but I got to have a mentor or a place that I loved going to every day and be with people that I wanted to go with, I figured I spent more time at work than I did at home. That would be a better idea. Well, you can flash forward to modern day. And even though he made more money than me uh, immediately, I think his career sort of just sort of waffled on because he, he only chose, made money decisions. He didn't make decisions on where he would be a good fit. 
Um, and it goes beyond that, because if you're a good fit somewhere, you will naturally thrive. You'll naturally do great in that place, as opposed to having to work much, much harder. I want to come back to the great fit. There's a question I'd love to ask, though. What is it that most of us are doing wrong, that we are not in inspiring jobs, that we are, are not finding that natural fit? Is it that we are being just tempted by money? Are we asking ourselves the wrong questions? Are we getting impatient? Yeah, it's an excellent question. And um, and you and I have had this chat a few times before, um, which is the way I've articulated it is there's, there's, there's multiple ways we make decisions. Um, and I, I talk about the why and, and what's your why. And if you think about it, does, you know, most of us are tempted by what we're doing. We're trying to answer the question, you know, what should I do and what do I do and the like. But the question is, why do you do what you do? The question is, why do you wake up out of bed every morning and why do you go to work? Is it just to make money? Well, there's any number of jobs that can pay you a salary. Why do you want to work at this one over another one? And I think most people, when they're evaluating a decision that they want to make in the world and the decision they want to make in their lives, they ask themselves, what do I want to do? What should I do? What should I do? But the question is, why do you want to do it? And if you take me, for example, I know my why. My why uh, uh, is nothing to do with the things that I do on a daily basis. That's what I do. What I do, I speak, I teach, I write, I do all of these things. But why do I do all those things? Well, I wake up out of bed every single day devoted to one thing and one thing only, which is to inspire people to do the things that inspire them. That's why I wake up out of bed. And then so for me to decide what I do, I'm just looking for places in which I can do that. And so when somebody invites me to come speak, I want to know that it's a room full of people who will want to be inspired. Then I'm absolutely happy to do what they're asking me to do. But I know why I get out of bed every morning. And I think a lot of people don't know what their why is. They don't know what their purpose or cause or belief is that that helps them make decisions in in the world. So would you say that someone who's out there either in a job that they are unsatisfied with or maybe just even graduated, is that the first question? They should just go to a Starbucks with a journal, write down what their why is and try and understand what that is for them? Yeah. There's a great analogy that I heard that I love to use, which is it's like a bow and arrow, which is what gives an arrow power. And let's say that the arrow is our lives. You know, what gives our lives power, what gives an arrow power is before it can fly through the air, you have to pull it in the opposite direction, 180 degrees. You pull it back, and then when you let go, then it flies through the air. And I think a lot of us forget to pull back. You know, we start running forward, looking to, to strike something before we pull back. And uh, there, is, there is immense value in stopping and taking a deep breath and trying and figure out why you do what you do first. And believe it or not, it can take time, and there are multiple ways to do it, but the way you find your why is to go back into your own life and look at the times when you you were happiest. And look at the times where you just were naturally successful. And look at the times where you just naturally thrived and it didn't require a lot of work. Everything was just easy and you did great and you were happy. What you'll find is, is that those times there were patterns of how you did work in the, in the environment in which you were in. Versus other times where you didn't do so well or things were a struggle, even though you might have had the skill set, you just had to work really hard. You'll find that that environment in which you naturally thrived isn't there. So for me, for example, I naturally thrive in an environment where I get to share ideas. I love sharing ideas. And the more I get to share ideas with people, the the more alive I become. So if a company called me up and said, Simon, we think you're great. We think you're smart. You've got such great ideas. We're going to pay you a ton of money to sit in this office and we're going to close the door and you can write down all your ideas. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail in that company because they're not giving me the opportunity to share my ideas. And that's because I sat down and looked at my whole life. And the time where I had the most fun and naturally thrived was an environment in which I worked with teams and worked with people and got to share ideas. 
So it's one of the things that I use as a factor to decide what I should do next. So Simon, what's the next step? So someone knows what it is they love, what they would like to do with or without a certain environment around them, then what? Well, the whole idea of, of, of deciding what to do next is to figure out um, where you or why would come to life the easiest. Is that what you're asking me? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I, I have a thing called the celery test. Um, I don't know if I've shared the celery test with you before, but, but this, is, this is the power of the celery test, which is when you know why, when you know why you do what you do, your ability to make decisions becomes really, really easy. So it's like going to a dinner party. You know, everybody's full of good advice and everybody's trying to tell us what we should do or how we should do it. Everybody tells us the job we should take and the things we should look for and the questions we should ask. And it's not that that advice is bad, but maybe it's not right for us. So imagine you go to a dinner party and somebody comes up to you and says, you have to get a job selling M&Ms. It's all about M&Ms these days. You've got to get into M&Ms. And somebody else comes up to you and says, rice milk. All the kids these days, they're all drinking rice milk. You've got to get into rice milk. And somebody else comes up to you and says, it's all about Oreos. I made so much money selling Oreos. You've got to get into Oreos. And somebody else comes up to you and says, it's all about celery. You've got to do celery for the rest of your life. I'm telling you, that's how you'll do well. And the problem is, it's all good advice. And we go to the supermarket, then we don't know what to buy. So we end up buying a little bit of everything. You know, you buy celery and rice milk and Oreos and M&Ms. And at the end of the day, you spend a lot of time uh, wandering around the, the supermarket looking for those things. You spend a lot of money buying them. And you may or may not get great value out of all of these things. But what if you knew your why? What if you knew why you do what you do? So let's say your why is to always be healthy and only do the things that protect the integrity of your body. You're going to get all the same advice from people. The difference is you're going to go to the supermarket and you're only buying celery and you're only buying rice milk. And you're guaranteed to get value out of these products and you didn't spend as much time and you didn't spend as much money. And more importantly, just by making great decisions, people can actually know what you believe because they can see it. You're standing there in line with the, with the celery and the rice milk and people can look at you and say, I can see that you believe in looking after your body. I have a question for you. Congratulations. You just attracted somebody who wants to hire you for a job just simply because they know what you believe. And so the whole idea of knowing why you do what you do actually makes the ability to make those decisions much, much easier. You trust your gut a lot more. Something will either feel right or it won't feel right. So if someone's unhappy in their current job and listening to this and getting more and more inspired as they hear you speak, they have no idea what to do, how to get started. What do you do with someone like that? Well, there's, there's a few options. Um, we actually work with clients to help them figure out their why, and amazingly, it only takes about half a day. Um, but one of the things that we're introducing is um, something that we call the Why Book, which is um, a self-guided workbook that we took our entire consulting process and we put it into a self-guided workbook. And people can actually figure out their why, and then we give some advice on how to apply it, how to write a resume, how to interview, how to, how to evaluate the company when you go and meet them and introduce yourself to see if indeed you are a good fit. So much like the bow and arrow, you know, sitting there and being unhappy in your job, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of people make is they don't quit their jobs for something. They quit their jobs to get away from what they have. And you really want to quit for something, not to quit to get away. And so just like the bow and arrow, if, you're, if, you, if you hate your job right now, you can hate it for just a little bit longer <laughs> and, um, and spend a little bit of time figuring out where you'd be a good fit. And that way, when you take the leap, you're going to go for something, not away from something. And Simon, is a good fit more emotional than it is having the right skills and qualifications? What about if you're completely unqualified for what you think is your dream job? 
It's it's absolutely about the emotional component. I mean, you know, Herb Kelleher, uh, the founder of Southwest Airlines, he would always say, you hire for attitude and you can always teach the skills later. Just because somebody has a great skill set doesn't mean they're going to do well in a job. Um, you could take the best engineer from Apple, and if he goes to work at Microsoft, he probably won't do well. And you can take the best engineer from Microsoft and send him to work at Apple, and he probably won't do well. And it has nothing to do with their intelligence, their past successes, or, your, or, or, or their abilities. They're bad cultural fits. But if you know why you do what you do and you know where you belong, you, it's that attitude, you'll find a place of people like you. So let's talk about Southwest. Southwest is about people. It's about friendliness. And so they hired people like cheerleaders to be flight attendants. They knew that. And these were people who didn't know how to be flight attendants. They knew how to be friendly people, which you couldn't teach somebody. And then they taught them how to be flight attendants. And what you find is when you go and interview for a company where your skill set might not match up, but you have a passion for the things that they're doing, their contribution to the world, they're much more likely to hire that passionate person knowing that they can teach you the skill set. Simon, for people who are graduating right now, is it ever too early to pursue a dream job? Like, is it better to go get some of those skills and put sort of the dream off for a couple of years and just sort of pay off some of those debts, be realistic? Well, I mean, the answer is there's no right answer. Um, but the longer you put it off, then the more you'll have to deal with it later. And, it, and you, you run the risk of getting stuck in a career that you don't want. Um, I know a guy personally who... Um, took a job knowing that it wasn't the job he wanted, but he knew that it was a good, quote-unquote, foot in the door of the industry he wanted. So he came in a completely different angle. And what ended up happening is he kept getting promoted over the years, and he uh, got stuck. So he basically hates his job and doesn't like coming to work every day. But for him to change jobs now, he'd have to give up his salary and his benefits, and he's not prepared to do that. So what he's ended up in is stuck in a job that he doesn't like. And frankly, wouldn't be better to go to work happy every day. College graduates actually have a fantastic advantage, which is everybody's on the same playing field. Nobody has real job experience. You know, you might have had a job through college, or you might have had an internship, or you might have had a a part-time job, but nobody has real job experience. And so everybody's starting off on on an even level. And when people bring in entry-level people, they're really looking for passion and drive. And the skill sets are nice, um, but, you know, what we majored in doesn't necessarily mean what we have to do for a living. College students actually have a, have, a, have a great advantage. And for college students, I would recommend go back and see, figure out why did you choose the major you chose? Why did you take the classes you took? Who were your favorite professors and why did you love them? It wasn't just the subject. There were certain professors that you warmed up to more than others. What do they have in common? And what you'll start to find is those patterns again, and those give you clues as to what your why is. Simon, just for people listening, and I'm obviously very familiar with what you do because you were kind enough to do this whole process with us at the first first 30 days. Yeah. Can you share some examples of whys from people that you have worked with? Absolutely. Why don't you tell everybody what your why is? My why is to inspire people to look for the positive in any life change that they either are facing or would make and would enable them to love their lives more. And doesn't that perfectly capture the work you're doing at first 30 days? And doesn't that perfectly capture the kind of people who you want to work with you. Absolutely, it does. And so we look at it from the reverse level because you know your why. You're looking for people who are able to find the positive in things. And that's probably one of the reasons you and I get along is because I'm an eternal optimist. And it has nothing to do with my skill set. It's because you and I are a good fit. Absolutely. And, And so you know how to hire people who are great fits at your company. They're eternal optimists. 
And so other examples of um, some of the people I worked with and their wise is one organization I work with who believes in finding and delivering better ways of doing things. And so they're all about asking questions and they're all about curiosity. And they love to hire people who are really curious about how things work and as kids would take things apart and put them back together. I've worked with a, a, another client who loves to guide people um, to become to get noticed in the world. And so everybody who works there loves helping other people sort of do well. They love to be sort of that, that hidden power behind their friends. And so it's all about getting noticed and being a little bit irreverent and having a little fun that way. You know, no one of our whys is necessarily exactly the same. And so we want to find people who help us achieve our why. And so for you, who wants to inspire people to find the positive in things, and for me, who wants to inspire people to do things and inspire them, we actually help each other. And that's why we get along. Absolutely. Just getting a little bit more practical for sure. for some people. People often like, you know, what should I do and actions. Yeah. Is there a way to craft a resume differently based on what your why is? Oh, that is a fantastic question. That is a fantastic question. The most important thing to remember is whether you're a person or a product, I hate to put it this way, but people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. We don't actually buy the computer that Apple makes. We buy the belief that Apple espouses to challenge the status quo. And the computer just brings that idea to life. And the reason Harley-Davidson is special versus just a, another motorcycle is because it has, it has meaning behind it. It's this rugged sort of lifestyle and, and sort of out on the free road. And so it, just like we're not interested in products when they tell us what the product attributes are, you know, here's a toothpaste. It has fluoride and it has whitening formula and it gives you fresh breath you know, buy our toothpaste. Well, a lot of toothpaste have that. Well, who really cares about that toothpaste? Well, unfortunately, we do the same thing on our resumes. Our resumes are little pieces of advertising. We give this little piece of advertising to somebody and we say, please hire me, hire me. And we write down all of our job experience and all what we've done. But that stuff doesn't have context. We don't know why we've done all that stuff. And so whenever I look at a resume, somebody might have an objective at the top, which says, you know, to get a job with a wonderful company. Well, that's why you're applying for a job. We know that. And then they go on to list, here's where I worked, here's what I did, here's what success I had. And basically, resumes look the same. And if you only give people those factors, then that's all they have to, to make a decision on. It's kind of like buying a flat screen TV, which is they'll tell you that it's clear and then it's cheap and it's got this many pixels and this many resolution, and it's hard to make the decision. And so what I always recommend to people, but at the top of the page, the first thing you want somebody to read is what you believe. It's why you do what you do. And so if I were writing my resume, I could talk about how I worked in advertising, and I could talk about how I worked in marketing, and I can talk about how I, how I write and I do public speaking. Eh, who really cares about all that stuff? But if it were my resume, at the top of my resume, I would write, um, everything I do, I do to inspire people to do things that inspire them. And my whole career, I've looked for ways to bring that cause to life. And now it gives context to the rest of my career. And then I can say, here was my job in advertising. I was able to inspire people to get involved with this product. And then I got a management position. I got promoted. And then I was able to inspire the employees around me. And I was able to manage this business and work with these clients. And, and the resume looks very similar to the way it did before. But for the first time, it has context. And when you're sitting down for your interview, you now actually have a point of reference. And so sometimes we make bad decisions in our careers, too. And we have one job where we're only there for three or four months. And it's sitting there on our resume with a big red flag. And the person will say, what happened over there? And we come up with all these silly excuses as to why it didn't work out. And we try not to sound too bitter. But when you have your cause at the top, you can say, oh, that was an amazing experience. I worked for this company. And I was so eager to get involved with them, thinking that I could bring my why to life and try and inspire people. Unfortunately, we didn't believe the same thing. 
things. And I realized that I couldn't be as much value to them as I wanted to be, and so I decided to move on and find another job where I'd be a better fit. So it's actually by putting the context and putting what you believe right at the top of the page, it actually helps you answer some of those difficult questions you might get asked in an interview also. And Simon, I'm guessing if if someone was at an interview and was expressing this and, and really owning what their why was, and somehow it wasn't quite gelling with the person, is that an assumption that it's not a good fit? Is it because at that stage you might try and sort of bend and massage your why a little bit to still go ahead and try and get the job? Well, if you try and bend and massage your why and try and come across in a way that you think that they'll like you, then you might get a job in a place that you won't be a good fit. And then you're going to say, oh, why did I take this job? And they'll say, why did you take this job? You weren't the person we expected because it's not really you. So being authentically who you are is really important. You know, finding a job is kind of like dating. You know, when you go up to somebody and you tell them what you believe and they give you a dirty look and walk the other way, well, it's kind of a win-win situation, right? That's kind of good. You don't really want to go out with somebody who doesn't appreciate you for you. Well, why would you want to have a job where somebody doesn't appreciate you for you? The only caveat there is very often we come in through the human resources and we make the assumption that the person doing the interviewing is also a good fit in the company. It's quite possible that person isn't a good fit themselves. Um, so it's fun to ask questions and ask them if they enjoy their job. And if they go, yeah, it's, it's good. You can tell by their body language and how quickly they answer the question if they enjoy their jobs, whether they think they're a good fit. So if you get along really well with them and they are a good fit, then yeah, tell them what you think. Tell them what you believe. Get along with them. You know, the people we work with are going to be our friends. These, so you're basically interviewing for a friend. How would you do that? Of course you want to tell them exactly who you are because you might have to spend a lot of time with them. Yeah, absolutely. For people who don't think that their dream job is out there, are you one to encourage them to go ahead and create it? Uh, I, yeah, yes. Uh, you, the answer is your dream job is out there. Um, and the good news is there's so much to do out there. It's just a question of knowing where to find it. And in the same example as I gave with the celery test, which is when you know what you believe, it's like when I tell you I want you to go in the crowd and find everybody wearing a purple shirt. Well, when I tell you to find purple shirts, you'll be amazed how many purple shirts you'll find. But if I tell you to go out there and find something special, you don't know what you're looking for. So when you know what you're looking for, it's much easier to find. And we're all very lucky you know, when you live in America. This is a society that will literally allow us to do whatever we want and find a way to do it, whether it's inside a company or by ourselves or with our friends. But you'll find if you know why, uh, what you're looking for and what your dream job is, I can almost guarantee, just like looking for purple shirts in a crowd, I can almost guarantee you'll be able to find it that much easier. So absolutely pursue that dream job. No question about it. It's like pursuing happiness. Would you like to pursue happiness? <laughs> That would be a yes. <laughs> exactly. So, Simon, just to give people some realism as well, are there any things that people can expect as they get going to find a dream job, pitfalls or some challenges along the way or some things that they know to expect and not get discouraged by? Sure. The most important thing to remember when you're interviewing, I think, um, is um, as much as they're interviewing you, you're also interviewing them. And so you're allowed to ask questions of them to see if you would even enjoy working there. And don't forget, you're looking for your dream job. And 
they're not really interested in you finding your dream job. They're looking for their dream employee. <laughs> and so they're interviewing you to see if you're the dream employee, but you're interviewing them for the dream job. So you should be really, really honest about whether you want to work in this environment. And you should trust your gut. When you walk into a place and you like the energy and the energy excites you, then it's probably something interesting to you. But if you walk into a place that the energy is bad and for some reason you don't like it, so maybe it's not a good fit. So be really, really honest if you can imagine yourself having to show up there every single day and spend time with these people every single day? And if the answer is yes, then that's a, that's a very good hint that you'll probably be a good fit. And I think so many times we overrule our gut and our intuition and our, our head tries to tell us why it's a good company and it's a good brand and a good salary. And that's yeah. really where all the challenges start. Uh, and if that were true, then I'd probably be an accountant because everybody told me when I was growing up how good it would be for me to be an accountant and what a great profession that is. And boy, I would not have done well. Yes. I would not have done well, but that's what everybody was telling me. So trusting your gut is uh, is really, really powerful. That doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to your parents. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to your friends. They have your best interests in mind. But see if you, can, uh, if you can probe them and say, well, why do you think I would be good at that? And if they say, well, that's just really important. That's how you'll have a great career. Well, then they have, you know, sort of a little too much practical advice. But when you say to them, why do you think I'd be good at that? And then they look at you funny and say, well, I think you'd be good in this context. Then maybe there's something worth exploring there. But absolutely, trust your gut more than anything. Your gut knows better. Simon, for people who are interested in what you do, what you teach, and, and this Why workbook, what, what would you like to say to people? Um, I have a blog um, where I'm constantly writing um, about these themes, and I talk about how to implement your why and find your why, and I talk about all kinds of things, including how to spot it in the outside world and how to apply it to your life, and that's simonsinek.com, S-I-M-O-N. S for sugar, I-N-E-K. Everybody makes fun of me for that. but S for my, success. S for success, I-N-E-K. There we go. I have to change that. That's very good. So simonsinek.com is the blog where I'm constantly writing. And um, we have uh, seminars and salons where we invite people to come and talk about these things. And I think what would be great to do, and I just thought of this right now, Ariane, but what we'll do is... Um, we can do a salon, especially for your listeners, to just come in and talk about how to find your dream job, and um, and I will I will host that uh, um, this year. We'll do that in a in a in a, in a short period of time. That sounds so, wonderful. Uh, be, Thank you. Be my, absolutely. And for people who are interested in 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 a why book and figuring out their why with a little more guidance, um, they can always send us an email, and we're happy to to share the details. So Simon, the way we end off all our interviews here on the show is we ask all our guests the same exact three questions. Okay. And there are questions about change. They're not subject specific. Okay. Uh, so you mean I can't get them wrong? That's correct. <laughs> there, there is no right or wrong. So the first one is this. What is the belief that you personally go to during times of change in your life? Um, I always remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think of the, the vision that I have um, for the world. And um, the belief I go to is, um, you know, if I want to inspire people to do the things that inspire them, that means that I have to muscle through something and have to get through it because uh, that's the only way I'll be able to, to affect some change in the world. Fill in the sentence. The best thing about change is... You get something different on the other side. <laughs> and what is the best change that you've ever made? Um, the best change I've ever made was the last change that I made. Um, I, I'm, I'm a great believer that um, with change, you get to see the world a totally new way. And, and so every time there is a change in my life, I get to see the world a new way. And I hope that they never, never stop. So the best change I ever made was the one that just happened, uh, whether that was yesterday or two days ago or a week ago. You're going to have to give us one that happened. Oh, actually, I have to give you one that happened. Give me a specific one. A specific change that happened to me. Um, okay. Um, 
I don't know if it's the most, uh, well, a, a big one, uh, this, I guess this is a huge one, which is really sort of affecting my life, is um, I, was, uh, I, was, I got a book deal, and I have to write a book about the golden circle and the power of why, and I'm writing about the power of why. And I was living my life um, um, doing one thing, and now I'm sort of becoming an author, which is a totally different thing. And it's totally changed my lifestyle, and it's totally changed when I go to bed and when I wake up, and my stress and my pressures. And it's, it's a, I'm living a totally different life now than I was just a few months ago, which is incredibly exciting. Well, Simon, congratulations on that, and be sure to let us know when the book is out. Definitely, uh, The Power of Why. We'll make sure that everyone on our end knows about it. Thank, Thank you very, you. very much. Thanks for the inspiration, the information, the wisdom all of what you do and how you do it and especially why you do it for us in the world. Thank you. So for more information about Simon and his wonderful work, please visit his website, cynicpartners.com. And that's spelled S for success, I-N-E-K partners.com. You've been listening to Change Nation, a show from the first 30 days. For more interviews, more experts, more inspiration, be sure to visit us on the web at first30days.com. Thanks for listening to Change Nation from First30Days.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes in the Society and Culture section under Philosophy. Remember to take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of the First 30 Days Incorporated. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved.